Hi, this is Pastor Ken Ortiz, and welcome to Real Answers to Real Questions. This podcast is designed to do just exactly that. In my 35 years of pastoral ministry, I've had hundreds of people, if not thousands, come to me with various questions, and frankly, it's so hard for people on a normal Sunday morning to come up and ask those questions. So we've created a format where you can submit your questions, and I'll do my best to provide you with as scripturally accurate an answer as I can to those questions. On the following shows, uh, Dan McMahon is going to be co-hosting with me. He has been my co-host for, with my radio program for many years, and he's a good friend. He's an elder in our church, and uh, we're going to just basically engage in a conversation as we go through the questions that you have submitted. All right, Ken, the first question for today, is Calvary Spokane elder-led? Um, well, I hope... First of all, that we're spirit-led. <laughs> I guess I, the question is a little awkward to me because I think that when you talk about uh, what leads, usually uh, leadership doesn't isn't a multifaceted thing. In other words, do we have uh, elderships that oversee and govern over the affairs of the church? And I would say yes. Um, my position is the lead pastor. In that sense, I am pivotal in setting the direction, the vision, the priorities, and the objectives, uh, but also that setting of vision is within the context of the approval of the the uh, leadership of the church as well. So, you know, it's one of those kind of things that um, the real, no matter how you structure or describe the structure of a church, the bottom line is that some way it has to be collaborative to be effective. Yeah. And when you have a situation where you have a, I, I think that there were out of the Calvary Chapel movement, there was the idea of what we called the Moses leadership model and the idea that you have this prophetic leader who informs everybody as to what the will of God is for regards to their ministry. I don't personally subscribe to that. I think that God can speak through uh, a lot of different channels, and I don't think that I have that kind of infallibility as a leader. But at the end of the day, you know, you find that when it comes to certain decisions and directional decisions, somebody has to basically make the decision as to what do we think is the best thing. And so I view our leadership style as being a highly collaborative one. Yeah. Um, I really seek out the input and I share what my passion is, what my vision is. But And sometimes the leadership says, um, sounds great, but not now. Yeah. Or sometimes that, you know, we don't think that's really appropriate for this yeah. moment in our history. So. Well, and if I could chime in, having sure. been part of that uh, and and am part of that uh, that uh, elder group, uh, mainly because I'm old, but you know, <laughs> no, no, for a, for a lot of years, I think uh, you know it, it it did actually take a while. I think for for me particularly to understand my role in that, and it was it certainly is as I see it, one in which you know we're not here uh, five days a week. Uh, we're not seeing the daily running of the church. We're there to act more as an advisor. And so, mm -hmm. so as you, uh, come and say, here's, here are the things that we're addressing. Here are the ways we'd like to address them. And here's what we've, what we've, we've come to understand in that process. I think it's our, it's our role to maybe inject some other thoughts into that. Have you thought of this mm -hmm. and how did this happen? And, and what, so it's just, as you said, it's very collaborative. It's, it's a, it's a great time of open discussion to talk about things that maybe you, you don't see from your perspective, but mm -hmm. maybe we can and vice versa. So, uh, I, I would agree with you a hundred percent. I'm thinking of an incident, in fact, to give a kind of illustration of many years ago, I had a gentleman who was part of our leadership team and, and, uh, uh, dynamic developed in every—I remember every meeting, he would just always 
be kind of negative. He was like the devil's advocate. He mm. would always argue and contend over every single thing. And finally, I just asked him to come by for lunch, and we could sit down and just kind of talk because I said, you know, I'm getting kind of frustrated because I feel like no matter what I say, you always resist me. And he says, well, I feel like it's my position to give the other side of the argument. Mm. And then he said, but if you just wanted a yes man, you should have told me. And I said, <laughs> isn't there a, a medium in between? Yeah. Can't we kind of work together to kind of discover what is it that God wants us to do? And that's kind of the view we take, I think, the kind of the Acts 13 model, where you find that the selection of Paul and Barnabas to go out and do this mission work, that basically is that it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. And I think that us dynamic is, is a critical one. The church is meant to be a relational uh, organization, if I can use that term. And um, if we if we simply make decisions without regards to how it affects those relationships, it's usually going to come back yeah. uh, pretty unhealthy. Yeah, and I and I also know that um, when you're not involved in that role, when you're sitting in the in the pews Sundays, Wednesdays, throughout different um, services, I, I think it's easy to sit back and think, I wonder why they're doing it that way, mm -hmm. and to not have that, and to sometimes not even feel. Uh, comfortable or, or confident enough to walk up and ask the question. Right. Uh, and I think it, it, a healthy church is one where we embrace that and say, ask the questions. And I, one of the things that we do that I really like are those the family meetings every mm -hmm. every so many off so many. I think it's every quarter we do, where uh, the church comes in on a on a weeknight and you talk about uh, what's going on from a leadership level. Here are the things we're dealing with, because it it really does give a kind of a pulling back of the curtain and, and allowing them to see what's going on. Right. So you know, these having just come back onto the the board, you know, there was a period of three and a half years where I sat in the pew, and it was, um, you know, I I think I was ahead of the game because I had served at that level, so I could sit back and say, I know they're talking about those things. I know they're trying to figure out what's best for the church, and I, I'm confident they'll come to the best end. But but it gave me a great perspective of being outside of that for a while before coming back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of the dynamic of creating an atmosphere that's safe enough for people to ask the questions yeah. that might even feel a little bit awkward or difficult, but it's it's better to get it out there and to talk about it than uh, to secretly sit back and kind of struggle inside. Yeah, yeah. I remember, not along the board levels, but I remember in the early days when I first started coming to Calvary, and, and you would say something from the pulpit that I thought, well, that doesn't sound right to me. But I felt comfortable enough to come up to you and ask you the question, mm -hmm. and and we were usually saying the same thing. I was just hearing it differently, and, but we had this this ability to just kind of talk about it and reason, and and I could hear your perspective and and have a better understanding of of something. And it's also the willingness to admit that even though you're in leadership, you don't always have mm. the best perspective. That's a great point because we all you know kind of have our own blinders on to some mm -hmm. degree or another, and and uh, through the years I I've learned so much from people saying, have you ever considered this, or this was what I saw. And it's I always think it's always valuable to step back and consider even a criticism, because it may not be accurate, but usually it's got some degree of truth to it. There's a nugget in there yeah. somewhere. And it's something to consider, but I, I think it's always better if we can be open and, and conversant about things. Uh, autocratic leadership usually... Uh, works out when you get down to a congregation of one. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody argues. <laughs> Nobody oh, argues. That's great. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to question number two for the day. What is your opinion on Jonathan Kahn writings? Not real high. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting because uh, for those who aren't familiar, Jonathan Kahn has written a series of books where 
he approaches it, uh, at least from his own presentation, as a as a rabbi who is interpreting the uh, Old Testament and Hebrew scriptures in a way that relates to our modern times, and usually in particular with regards to prophecy. And particularly his position is that uh, the promises and covenant relationships that God had with Israel have now uh, passed to America, and that things like 9-11 were God's divine judgment, and this was foretold in Scripture. Um, he uses what we call the Sabbath cycle, the Shemitah, which is uh, basically every seven years they were let the land lay, lay fallow, and mm-hmm. if they didn't, uh, God would remove his blessing, and ultimately when they were carried away to captivity, they spent, uh, he said they would spend 70 years in captivity because for over 490 years they hadn't been faithful to observe the Sabbath. The whole idea behind it is somehow that we can take those covenant dynamics that exist between Israel and simply prophetically apply them today, Mm. and so that he says every seven years uh, there's a time of of judgment or blessing based upon the righteousness or unrighteousness of the America. And uh, the problem is is that uh, some of the dates that he has set are kind of arbitrary, because here's the idea, here's the big problem in all of this. using the Hebrew calendar to uh, predict every Sabbath, mm. every seventh year, every Sabbath year, is a problem because we don't have uh, really an accurate Hebrew calendar. It doesn't really exist. In other words, we don't know when the actual Sabbaths fall. And so basically what he does is he starts with a crisis and he, he dates back mm-hmm. and says, see, this is when the problem began and this is the judgment that followed. So that things like the financial crisis in 2007, 2008, and so forth. And he claims that every seven years there's this economic cycle that we go through, hit a recession, which actually recessions hit every seven to ten years. Hmm. I say all that to simply say that it's, uh, I think there's just a a basic fallacy in the whole idea that somehow uh, we need to go back into the old covenant and understand God's dealing with Israel and then carry it over to the church. It's almost like you, we have to become re, uh, Hebraized mm. in our Christianity. We become, we have to become more uh, Jewish in our understanding. And uh, in the end of the day, a lot of his predictions haven't come to pass. Uh, they're historically not verifiable. And I think, I mean, I can't speak to the individual's motivation behind of it, but I just think it's just another one of these. Um, fantastical things that gets people all excited and, and stirred up and churned up, but it really has nothing to do with really living out your Christian faith in an effective way. Hmm. And so I I just don't think they're they're worth a read. Well, uh, in, in, checking, in checking him out, was there anything that was biblically founded? I mean, in the sense that was, were the direction, did the direction of what he was saying come from something out of the Bible that he could point to that says, uh, because we're supposed to tie into uh, what happened in Old Testament times, therefore this should translate? Yeah, he bases it, up, well, first of all, he bases it upon the idea of the seven-year Sabbath, the Sabbath yeah. of years, and then mm-hmm. the 50, 50th year of Jubilee. Oh, okay. But also he, he his key is Isaiah 9.10, which he says that he has uh, uncovered a mysterious uh, interpretation of that passage. I mean, if we are readers were to look it up, they'd find out that it has to be pretty mysterious because just reading it would not give you a any kind of insight at mm. all. In other words, it's it's this idea that somehow this person had become prophetic because they see something that the church has never before mm. seen. And the idea, it's almost like a, a, a 
Christian Americanism, this idea that somehow America has the same covenant relationship, which is actually his position, that, that the Puritans founded this country on, on uh, a covenant with God, and therefore there's only two covenant people in the history of the world, that's Israel and America. And, I mean, having been a history major in college, I'm telling you, that's a hard one to <laughs> to prove, I mean, to to even to limit the founding of America to the Puritans. I mean, mm-hmm. there there's that's so much more complicated. And his idea of applying the cycles to the economic cycles, there's nothing in the Bible that really says that we should be concerning ourselves with economic cycles. All the rest of the stuff. And and Paul makes a comment to the Colossians: Don't let any man judge you regarding Sabbaths. Yeah. And essentially, this becomes an idea that the Sabbaths and the new moons and all these things that once applied are no longer applicable. And so we see a lot of these kind of things come up in the church, particularly now. I mean, the sensational things, and I think maybe it speaks to the character of our times that we just love sensational stuff. Yeah. But the idea, even like the blood moons, and that was a big thing, and people predicting Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New yep. Year, and all this kind of stuff, it's in the end of the, it, it, when it's all said and done, those dates come, they pass, and yeah. nothing happens. Yeah. But we still should hope for his coming. We hope for his coming, but yeah. not in that kind not of stuff. In, yeah. Okay. Well, this brings us to the end of our current podcast, and I hope that our responses to the questions that you submitted were helpful. If you found them to be worthwhile and this a good investment of your time, we encourage you to write a review and uh, send us your comments. This is a forum in which we're looking to have a dialogue with those who listen. If you have questions that you would like us to answer, we'd encourage you to submit those. Uh, You can do that easily by just going to our website at www.calvaryspokane.com. And we'll take them as they come in. Just about any question is okay, but we'd just like to say that we try to answer biblical questions. Uh, I can't give you financial advice or medical advice, but I can tell you what the Bible has to say. Uh, We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast so that you can join with us regularly as we continue to answer your questions with what we believe are real biblical answers.